Yo, 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 what is up my fucking dogs? Jimmy Lewis here, and I'm here with my first guest, Big C, Connor. He's going a bit anonymous here, I respect that. And uh, we're excited to have him on. And uh, I met Connor a couple of months back, and he's been uh, a big factor in my recovery, you know? He's, may how long are you sober now, Connor? Just over 18 months now. Yeah, What's so. What's a year? Fuck. Nah, yeah. 18 months? Yeah, flies in, man. Just over, just over. Yeah, yeah so. so he has a little bit more experience than me and a serious fucking message. And I like to ring Connor and he gives me some nice advice. He's got it, he's got it sus, you know what I mean? Um, so anyway, yeah, the purpose of this podcast is to give hope that you can get through anything by sharing our experience and how we made it to the other side. Connor? Hand it to you, my friend. <laughs> Good man, Jimmy. Thanks for thanks for having me over. I've never done anything like this before, so this is a bit alien to me. Um, you know, obviously you've heard me speak at uh, at meetings or whatever, and um, on, on phone calls as well. We have good chats, and so you know, I think you're doing well as well, by the way. And and well, like I said, thanks for having me over. But uh, you know, going into like, like we were talking about earlier, kind of, I didn't know what the basis of this was going to be, if you wanted me to, you know, share my story or um, go into go into recovery or just what life is like for me today. But I guess I'll start with the story to go into how I ended up getting, you know, into the shit, into the fucking shit places that I got myself into. And then I'll talk about how I got out of those places and then what I do today to stay out of those places. And so... I guess it all starts, you know, I guess I have what is known as uh, the disease of addiction and uh, it, which runs in my family, runs, you know, very prevalent on my mother's side and my father's side, not so much. And I don't know, don't know where it comes. I always think it is, it, it's something that seems to run in families though. And that's what I've noticed over all the years of seeing people in addiction, meeting people in recovery that a lot of family members seem to have it, you know? And uh, so what for me, it was the exact same. My mother's side... Do like you think it's genetic? I don't know. Probably not. I don't think so. I don't think there's any science behind it, but the amount of people seems, I know... Yeah, like yeah. In my family, there's a few. Yeah. I think it plays a factor. Yeah, it, like 100%. It can play a factor if it's a family member, but yeah. there's also plenty of people that don't have any... Um, any family members whatsoever who are you know addicts and maybe it's something to do with trauma as a child but also saying that it's funny when I was in I'll get into you know how I got into treatment but you know quick story when I was in treatment they actually explained to us and a lot of people I was in treatment with um, uh, they discussed that they said who here is the eldest of their siblings and most people put up their hands for the eldest and they said who here is the youngest uh, and I put up my hand on the youngest in my, in my family and they said, um, and who here is the middle child? And that one person put up their hand for the middle child. So they said, Interesting. This is, yeah, they say it's something, usually the eldest, uh, sometimes the youngest as well, but it's mainly someone that's the eldest child. I'm um, the youngest. You're the youngest, yeah. So there we so go. So there we go. Welcome to the club. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, with regards to my story, so like I said, it, addiction was in the family. My mum told me about my granddad who was, you know, loved, loved the gargle and never got into recovery himself. <laughs> and so, and then that stems down and I'm sure, I don't really know much about above him, about his grandparents or his parents, but you know, there's a good chance that their, their, their yeah. alcoholism wasn't there, you know. Um, 
so anyway, uh, then also stemming down from there, I would have had, um, I think there was there was addiction issues on, on on some family members then from his from my granddad's kids. So, um, and then just dripping dripping down into that then into my family as well. Mm-hmm. So which came to me. Yeah. But anyway, I guess when I look back as as a child, you know, growing up, I would have struggled. You know, it's like they talk about a spiritual malady, and what that pretty much means is that I would have struggled growing up as uh, for connecting, connecting with people, connecting with, you know, feeling good. And I was very disconnected always, and I would have had very low self-esteem issues, and I thought the worst of myself, and I thought everyone viewed me negatively. I thought everyone, I was always so, so conscious about viewing myself through other people's eyes. And I always instantly, whenever I met someone instantly, I would instantly think this person doesn't like me um, and if that was something that went on for a long time it can still trickle in today to be honest with you um, so I guess that's when I was growing up in school and I guess that did have an effect on me because that would have led to me being a bit of a loner uh, which would have led to a bit of bullying you know I've been bullied a, a bit in, in primary school um, and you know, guess because I, I I looked like the, the, I was I was a bit of an outcast, you know. Um, Why do you think you got bullied? Just because I was, and that's a, that's a good question as well. But I think kids growing up, you know, kids unfortunately are, um, I guess they stick with their groups, and if someone they they they're not as conscious about what they're doing, you know. Mm. And I think that for me, it was you know they weren't really conscious what they were doing. They just thought they were having a bit of fun, you know. Yeah. So I don't have any. You know, um, um, you know, issues towards them people that did that to me. You know, yeah. I've, I've dealt with that stuff. Yeah. You know, I would have had issues with it growing up, but I've learned how to accept it and look at that, look at it through their eyes. You know, and be a bit more understanding about where they were, and maybe they were struggling. Maybe they had issues going on, and they didn't want the spotlight being on them, so they put it on, uh, on me instead. That's it, pretty much. You know, it? yeah. So, and listen, when, when I go into my story, I was no angel. I, I became a bully myself. You know. <laughs> Um, and it was for those reasons I didn't want the spotlight being on me anymore yeah. and I wanted to kind of I guess it was a, main, a means to I don't know some sort of instinct in me that I don't want to get bullied anymore so I'll, I'll put the bully on somebody else you know put the like I said put the spotlight on someone else so anyways um, as time went on growing up in school it was just you know I, I just I would have I, I remember then in my primary school I remember I was going into when I was transitioning into secondary school there wasn't going to be one person that was in my primary school that was going to be in the secondary school I went to. So I made a conscious, conscious effort. Fresh start. To, exactly. Fresh yeah, start. Yeah, same me. Got me a new person, you know. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. Think, I mean, actually, I think you've chatted about it and I really identify a few times when you've mentioned it. And then the new persona came yeah. out. And I went hell for letter when I came into secondary school that I was going to be this new person. Oh, and I was going to make these new friends. And to be honest with you, my first little while, I, I, I it worked. Yeah, it worked. <laughs> I get, I got some new mates. You know, I came out of my shell a bit, yeah. but I was, you know, I was still terrified that they were gonna find out who I really was on the inside. You know, yeah, yeah. So like, I was, I, I, I knew deep down this isn't, you know, this isn't, and I was terrified they were gonna find out about what I, about what I was like in primary school, that they were gonna bump into some people I knew yeah. in primary school. I go, oh, that chap, oh yeah, he, he's a loser. Yeah. I with him, you know? So um, that was- Exact same. You know? Jesus. There's the identification I know, right man. there. I know. So anyways, um, then I guess my first experience with alcohol was- um, Hang on there, what, what did, you, did you like school? Did I like school? Your time in school. 
it's funny it's funny man um when i look back now i look at it's i can actually look at the good times uh, there was good times in school but before you couldn't before I, I looked at all the bad times yeah. you know and there was struggles you know big, big struggles in, in particularly in secondary school um um there was I, I, I you know i would have dealt a bit of bullying getting bullied again in secondary school at one stage as well yeah. i really struggled a bit um and then but then i and like i said I, I i picked on people in secondary school as well uh people that were you know vulnerable who you know didn't have many friends and i just kind of like i said i want to put the spotlight on them yeah. so like i said i was no angel and that that, that hurts me when to think that i actually did that i did those things and i, I want to make amends to those people that i did wrong you know because yeah. i think it, it, i'm carrying that with me at the moment and that's not nice you know I, that's something i struggle with because it's a it, it's a shame there's still shame inside me i'm laughing because you're, you're focused on this yeah 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 <laughs> it's working on it yeah yeah, sorry yeah <laughs> yeah the microphone levels Actually, it took us a fucking while to get us going. To get this going, yeah. Fucking and I was like, I don't know. I don't want I, it to fuck am I, am I speaking into nothing here? <laughs> you know what I mean? The whole thing's not recorded. Yeah. <laughs> You're fucking mad. Yeah, anyway, yeah. Go on, go on, go on. But yeah, so like I was saying, I'm, I still carry around that shame and that stuff, you know, that, that's around me. But that's part of the process. I have to go back and I make amends to people that are hurt. And I, that's something I'll go into in this as well, because yeah. that's a big one. Yeah. Um, I touched on a bit of that in my first one. Oh, did you? Okay. I think you'll be... It'll be better. Yeah. <laughs> well, listen, we're all the same at the end of the day. Yeah. You know, it's all part, we all go through the same processes. It's all about, yeah. you know, a new way to spiritual living. Um, but, so, uh, school for me, um, it, there was tough you times. You finished school, did you? I got through school, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, right. yeah. I am, um, just about. <laughs> I uh, wasn't really too arsed with studying, wasn't really too arsed with, um, you know, like seeing where I could go after school. I just wanted to get through school. Did you know what you wanted to do after not school? Not at all, man. Not a chance. I, I want to just finish up school so that I don't have to. I don't have to be getting up at half six every morning to come yeah. into school and and being told what to do. I couldn't wait to get. Did out. you have an issue with authority as well? In school? Yeah, I would have gone into a lot of trouble in school. Yeah, yeah. a lot of trouble. Um, no one tells me what to fucking do. Yeah, yeah I still struggle with that bit of that work. Like, yeah, yeah. If someone says, you know do this or you're doing that wrong I say what the fuck are you doing mate? like yeah. just the ego isn't it yeah exactly and that's what we gotta keep down you know yeah. if someone now if someone asks me but at the same time I'm not a doormat like if someone's trying Fucking to walk right. all over me I, 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 I'm able to say today and that's something I struggled before I, like, I, I didn't know uh, you know when I could stand up for myself you know and I you know sometimes people would walk all over me and I'd let them and then there was other times like you said there so, particularly with teachers I, I, teachers in the early days hated me yeah. because I just wanted to rebel I was a pissed off teenager with fucking hormone issues but at the same time I was fucking you know that, you know, as, as you're grown, going to puberty and stuff like that and you're not very mature and you don't know what yeah. the fuck you're feeling a lot of time mm. and then on top of that you know, all the shit that's going on all the fucking other mental health issues I mm. had the spiritual issues that I had all in form to one I was a bollocks I was a real bollocks to, towards teachers and they uh, I was constantly sent out of class, attentions and stuff. Uh, it's like, I remember it was one time, it was funny, one time I went to, the, I had to go to the reception to collect something and the girl asked me behind the reception, she goes, what's the name? And I said, uh, Connor Costello. And she goes, oh, I, I've heard of you. And she goes, you're the guy. She goes, do you know why I've heard of you? And I was like, why? And she goes, because I look after the list for the ten- detention every week and you're on it every single every week. Every week? Yeah, man. Like, uh, and You're worse just, than me, Connor, man. Listen, there's nothing cool about that. There's nothing no. cool about that. Um, so I wanted that to go on record. I remember uh, 
in Eisen school, one of the one of the teachers says uh, they were going about. Everyone has like a a folder or a book, mm. and your man says uh, he's never seen a book the size of mine. So, but I didn't get as much attention as you. So no I think way. You're worse than me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. he was talking shit but, well, he obviously well, forgot about I you I called him up and get, get him to give us the facts here <laughs> where's the statistics he forgot about you yeah yeah. shoot yeah, yeah but anyways um, so where how did you get on the leaving the leaving do you want to know what points I got yeah shoot or, I think I got just about 200 points or something like that Ooh, that's awful yeah <laughs> yeah 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 something <laughs> maybe in the high 200s um and like I said, I wasn't arsed, didn't, I yeah. didn't, and you know what as well, I didn't believe in myself. I thought, I, I, I fully thought I was not an intelligent person. And so what was going through your head as to watching over after school? Like, were you thinking, I'm going to get out of school. Get a job, like? No, I wanted flake to get out. out and flake out. Yeah. Sell because drugs, I, like. I, like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I looked back and I was like, I've spent all this time in my life in school. I want to be able to now do whatever I want. I wanted freedom, yeah. you know, because um, I felt so trapped. And What about the JC? How did you get on there? No, I can't remember. <laughs> I think actually, I think I did the worst in the in the whole year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, ever? Yeah, no, no, ever? In, no, just in my year, just yeah, in, yeah. in my because uh, yeah, yeah, I did not do good in that at all. <laughs> I remember, man. It's funny. Oh. I remember my last uh, exam. I remember uh, the very last exam. It was I can't remember what it was. I think it was like. Tasco studies maybe oh I, I, fuck it was that. half an hour I remember you could leave after half an hour of the exam and I sat down I was done after 10 minutes and I remember I'd stashed a lot of cans outside because this is the last exam do you now, research? Now, now, yeah yeah and there was, load, right? there was a load of because uh, it, it was now summertime when I finished this exam I've got the next three months or whatever off. You sashed a load of cans in those woods? In the woods? Yeah, just fucking there, right. Where the Radisson is. Yeah, yeah the Radisson Hotel. I know that well, Yeah, man. yeah. <laughs> so anyway, and then I finished that, went up there, and then started drinking cans, waiting for everyone to finish their, uh, finish their thing. You know, and I just didn't get, I just didn't care. I didn't care about what results. You're like 15 here, boozing hard. 15. When did you have a first drink? 13. Yeah, yeah. In Ireland, I guess that's kind of standard a bit. Standard. Yeah, yeah. What did you have first drink? First drink, it was funny, it was uh, a group of lads the year ahead of us, it was a kamikaze, a shot of kamikaze. Sorry, no. What first, the fuck my is first, that? My first drink actually was when I was um, was actually, I was about 10 or 11, I, yes. sipped, I sipped on a can of beer. When I first time I got drunk. What's so, the taste when you're 10? You liking it? I remember I remember it saying it tasted like peanuts, that's what I said. It tastes like peanuts. <laughs> what the fuck were you drinking? Yeah, it was a can of Heineken, I don't know where I got peanuts from. But, um... Peanuts? Peanuts, oh, yeah. yeah. That's fucked. Yeah. <laughs> First time I got drunk though. Thirteen. Thirteen, and it was a it was a little couple of lads a year ahead of me in school, and it was uh, we're on holidays in Portugal, um, and it was uh, we bumped we all bumped into each other over there, and they were like, oh yeah, we're going out for um, we're gonna go uh, to this beach bar or something like that, mm. and like they didn't ID or anything like that, and I, I didn't really I still didn't understand what was happening, and I went along with them. I was like, this is cool. And then they start ordering around the shots, and I was like, didn't really think much of it. At the, at the time, I was kind of thinking, should I be doing this? But I just kind of rolled it. I didn't want them thinking if if, if I backed out, I was terrified. <laughs> you with the cool crew, like exactly, man. You're never gonna yeah, try to shit down. Yes, exactly. You might be this, actually liked here. This is my if you have a drink, name. exactly. Yeah, fucking right. So uh, they ordered a lot of kamikaze shots, and I drank a couple of them. What is that? It's a shot. I can't remember what's in it now. I think it's like vodka and kamikaze. it's a bit of a lemony taste. Does that mean like suicide? Well, yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, I guess that's a good point. Yeah, straight from the get-go, that's God trying to tell me something. Yeah, it's yeah. fucking right. I don't know why I didn't yeah. have many of them. That's, 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 that's a good point, man. So, um, but I'll tell you one thing, Aaron, what I do remember from um, from that experience was how I felt after I got drunk. Yeah. I remember feeling so liked by all these people. Mm. Do you remember I spoke about how I felt like I was always disliked from everybody, how I yeah. always looked at myself through everyone else's eyes, and I was always felt instantly that this person doesn't like me. But that was the opposite when I was drunk, when I had this first experience, and it was like they all, I, I felt these people like me, I'm, I can be whoever I want right now, and I loved it. So, and I uh, and my ego fucking went up sky the sky. And I came back to Ireland and I was telling everyone in school <laughs> what I was getting up to in Portugal. Yeah. And I was fucking, you know, I was the big, I was the big dog now, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. And they were like, oh, what kind of vegan, you know. And I thought, I couldn't, I couldn't, and you know, I couldn't wait to tell everyone as well. And I couldn't wait to start drinking when I got back. Yeah. I thought, I'm, the, I'm a pro at this, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, like no, none of the friends I had in school had drank before. So I couldn't wait to sit down and tell them how to, like, you know, what to drink, how to get to drink and all this crap, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I thought, now I'm I'm above everyone here. So my ego started to kick in then, you know? Yeah. And that's when my, I went from being a very, you know, shy, vulnerable kid to a big, a bit of an ego, you know, thinking that I was the, I was the, I was the real shit now, you know? Yeah. Um, Were you smoking at this point? Did you no, ever smoke? Yeah, oh yeah, no, yeah. No, cigarettes like. Yeah, yeah, heavy smoker. Heavy, heavy cigarettes. So now you don't I don't smoke anymore. Now. I gave, How long I, you off them? them? about five months now. Yeah. Five months only? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fucking may talk. Yeah, I lost, I was, like, when I, yeah, like slowly, I slowly came off then, you know, to, um, I was probably, sm- I won, my height, I was probably smoking about 30 smokes When did you day. start? Um, 14. 14. 14? Yeah, so. And when you started, were you full going? Pretty much. Yeah, same with me. Yeah, yeah. My first. I loved it, man. It was the lighthead. Yeah, yes, yes, the lighthead. You obviously didn't get that after a fucking couple of months of smoking anymore. Yeah. But it was class when I got that, man. It just took, it was only like 10 seconds, but it took you away. Exactly. It did, man. And you know, it it also, it was also, um, what I did was, when I was in groups, it helped me, like I thought it, it gave me a certain image of someone who didn't, who didn't really care, rebel in, in some sense. Yeah. Um, that I, you know, a person that smokes and he's only 14 or whatever. Um, so there was a bit of that, but I did get a head rush off it as well. I remember a teacher of mine telling me in school as well, the reason why smoking is meant to look cool, do you know the way, like, like if you see ads in the 70s when they could um, um, advertise cigarettes, they'd make it look really cool and it'd be a really cool person smoking and stuff. Yeah. Um, and they say, my, a teacher of mine said, it's because it looks like they're holding fire. So, like, you know, it goes back to, like, an instinctive primating of someone that has fire. I don't know. I don't know if that's true now. But, yeah. Never thought of it that way. Yeah, yeah. What about the dank? When did you start smoking that? Did then, you smoke it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then the dank came. Like, there were these things called the head shops. Did you ever hear them? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, um, they were a bit... Now, like I never, I remember the lads in Rutland talking about them and the fucking mad crack from them. They were and they fuck people's heads up big time permanently. But I never, yeah, I don't think I've ever experienced with it. My first experience with with it was um, I went up to the head shop. So I think I was fifteen. Um, you know, I was a bit. I loved drinking. I loved getting pissed all the time on weekends and whatnot. Um, Would you be a weekly drinker? I mean, uh, midweek. This point. At that stage, no, 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 it was weekends, just weekends. Yeah. And um, be most weekends, like. 
every weekend. Yeah, when yeah. you're 15, 14 then? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, Fucking pretty much, man. And would you be hitting gaffs and shit or would you be knacker drinking? There was gaffs, mainly knacker drinking, mainly knacker yeah. drinking, but there was gaffs. You wouldn't you be know, alone though, would you? On to it. No, no, there was people, like, you know, like. Yeah. Were you hanging out with older boys at this point? No, no, it was people in my year and people outside my, my, my uh, people outside of the school I was in. I was hanging out with as well, so I had a, a few different groups of friends that I could buzz off and stuff, you know. So, and there was always some people up for drinking, you know. Mm. There was always somebody that would be up, a group that was always up for for going out the weekend and stuff. So, tell us a bit about the dank. So my first experience then with with, with grass was a fucking horrible one, and this Greener. is the head shop stuff. So this is Ooh. this I like you know this isn't this would be classified as cannabis or anything like that. But uh, we went up and we bought this. Uh, yeah, please. water. Yeah, water, please. Yeah, if you have sparkling water, that'd be great. But if not, <laughs> it's a fucking restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> right. um, for those who filtered water, it'll do. Yeah. What about club milk? Club milk? Yeah. What's that? Chocolate bar. Oh no, I'm all good. I'm all good. Thanks. Connor's a pescatarian, and yeah. we'll get into that. Yeah, we'll get into that. As right. Well. Pet shop. We've, we've a lot to cover here. So I think yeah. this will be hours. Well, listen, anyway, so... 24-hour podcast. Yeah. <laughs> a marathon podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, so what we did... Well, anyway, went up to the head shop one day and I bought this... What was it called again? Open Smoke or something like that. It was the name. But there was a few... There was Triple X. All these mad names. But anyway, I bought a... Um, I bought this bag. You buy these, it's like a bag of this stuff and then you roll the joint. And um, obviously... But you could buy pre-rolled joints there as well. But this, this time I bought this fucking bag smoked it anyway and uh, I remember I tripped balls instantly and I thought I was on an airplane and visuals then, visual man I thought not even visuals I, I was in a completely different planet and I thought I was on an airplane with, with my mum going to somewhere and uh, then the next thing and they didn't go, like that. that well no that experience was nice actually I remember because I was like I was like, like euphoria or something like that for I, me. Like that. I was going I was in a different world but then when I came back from there I woke up on the ground and I was fucking, I was vomiting then for hours, puking my ring up, and I had the worst headache ever. It was a horrible experience. But even though for those hours of of fucking misery that I had to go through, I couldn't stop thinking about those first fifteen seconds of where I was out of my mind. Yeah. And I was just constantly like, I want to be back at that, I want to be back in that place again. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I started. I kept I kept smoking grass. I preferred drink though, I preferred alcohol at this stage. But we were smoke. I was smoking grass every now and again as well. Um, and I, I kind of the head shops closed down, so we buy, started buying real um, uh, fucking weed and hash, whatever. And um, so, but I preferred the drink always. Yeah. Then anyway, as time went on in school, I think toward my latter years in school, in fourth or fifth year, I would have tried ecstasy then for the first time, and that was something I was a bit wary of. People were starting to take pills, and I remember then my yolks. first one, yeah, yolks, yeah. And I remember my first one. I was thinking, I was thinking, I don't know about this. I was a bit terrified about taking it, and there was a few of the lads that I, I, I knew from outside school, and they were they had done this, had taken them a couple of times, and I was thinking in my head, I was like, well, I just pretend to take it and just go on a buzz. Yeah. But then, because uh, I was terrified, I was actually really scared to take it, and I kind of wish I and you know the funny thing was was I was scared to take it for the because I thought of the short term effect. I thought about what if this gives me a heart attack? What if this yeah. you know? But I didn't think about the long-term effect that taking this thing is going to put me fucking onto a right. path of fucking... You know, um, in school, they always tell you, like, oh, this, yeah. you, this can kill you. But it doesn't tell you that it can completely de- fucking destroy your life. Exactly. You can get addicted. Do you know that you way? You know, exactly, you know. And, and uh, that's one thing that uh, they didn't really kind of hammer home. They talk about 
the short term effects of what it can do yeah. but the long term effects aren't really spoken about um, and the short term effects for me for that after taking that pill was like I said euphoria again that was a proper eye opener for me and that was my you know hooked a hooked and that was my I wanted that buzz see the grass was was a kind of different buzz for me I did it every now and again and I, 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 I it was okay for me I loved drinking but this was a whole new ball game for me this opened my eyes to a whole new world as well of, uh, of drugs you know of, of, of class A's now. so how old are you here now first um, pill um, uh, first pill I was uh, probably 17 maybe 17 yeah. were you out in night out or what yeah it was a night out I remember we were out in um, uh, where was it in um, button factory button factory say? button factory yeah yeah and uh, the, but- <laughs> the button factory yeah but uh, and then I fucking I loved it though and I, I kept doing and then I remember another time then uh, my first kind of time I remember I, I think I came home after that you know at a, a reasonable bell still and I was able to sleep and all which is mad um, and, but I couldn't wait to do that again and then my first experience of, of being on a proper heavy one was then I went back to my mate's gaff and a good few of us went back and we stayed up till nine in the morning and we were crushing up ecstasy and sniffing them <laughs> and drinking them and and yeah. I drank drinking cans, obviously. And this went in till nine in the morning, and I couldn't believe. I was like, "This is madness." And I was looking out outside. The the, the sun was up, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Outside playing, and birds like, are chirping. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm I'm in some sort of a crack then, you know. Yeah, like, yeah, my yeah. head was a crack then, and uh, I was like, "Whoa, this is madness. This is." But I thought it. This is this is this is this is a class. Can't wait to do this again. Yeah, you know. Um, are you getting bad come downs at this point? Uh, I no. That's the funny thing. I didn't really suffer with. Bad come down to the very start. Now, hangovers? Huh? Hangovers? No, no, no real hangovers. Same as me. Now man. I was, now I was, I, 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 did suffer from you know anxiety and um now and it, which got worse. My anxiety got much worse after that. I fucking um, You know, yeah. Underdeveloped exactly. brain. Yes. Popping this shit, man. Exactly. Popping this shit, and fucking it up. Yeah. Fucking the development up, and um then my um. Or vegetables, like. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Our brains are fucked. Yeah. But then the depression, the depression started to kick in then uh, a bit after that. But anyway, How old are you now? So depression. I so se- I'm 17, 18. I'm finishing up in school. I've got a new girlfriend. Yeah. Who I was mad for. Mm. You know, and I was very codependent as well. Yeah. Really, really codependent. And I needed her for happiness. Like, yeah. if I wasn't with her, then I'm drinking and drugging. I've left school now at this stage. I've, I've, I've no real ambitions to want to do anything. You know, I've no real ambitions to get, pursue, you know, a career somewhere that I think would suit me. And, um, you know, I've done a, I've done a half-assed job in leaving cert. And then um, I've got, but I've got this relationship with this girl who I was mad for. And, uh, you know, if I wasn't with her, like I said, I'd be, you know, I, I couldn't sit with myself on my own ever. So I had to either be with her. I had two separate addictions, two separate sessions. One was her, and the other was drinking drugs and the party lifestyle. So when and she hated me being involved yeah. in that. She hated me. She so wasn't into I, that. I would I would lie and deceive her all yeah. the time, and I'd be like, oh, she, you know, if I couldn't see her one weekend, I'd be, oh, I'm just gonna stay in this weekend, and I'd go on a mad one, and she'd be oblivious to it, you know. She and then I'd meet up with her during the week or something like that, and you know, wouldn't say anything about it, you know. And she believed me as well. She'd be like, oh, she'd go, oh, what you do on the weekend? I was like, ah, I just stayed in, you know. Um, so there's where the kind of manipulation starts coming in and I start lying, you know, and um, then the depression starts to kick in then, the depression started to really get into me then, because... Do you um, think you were depressed early on, but you weren't aware of it? 
Yeah, I think? guess it felt normal. I guess I've, I've probably felt so shit in the past, but it was normal to me. You know, and then when I started to get these hits from drugs and, and, and relationships and stuff like that, I started to understand what feeling, because, like, you know, when I put drugs into me, I felt good. And when I was in, you know, um, when I was with my partner at the time, she made me feel good, you know. But then when they weren't in my life, I felt shit. And that's probably how I felt always growing up. I just didn't realize that that wasn't normal, you know. Um, or that, no, I, I, yeah, exactly. So anyways, um, then the relationship eventually broke up. How long are you with her? I, I can't remember now. I think about seven seven months maybe. But I was oh yeah, but you were obsessed. obsessed, obsessed she broke up with you. She broke up with me. Yeah, and you're devastated. Because, because and you know what? Uh, it was it was because I was putting on a mask around her a lot of the time. I was always putting on this kind of brave, cocky person because I was scared of her seeing that I was actually a very scared, weakened per- person on the inside. You know, so I was always putting on this, and I acted like I didn't give a shit about her. I because I I, I was terrified if she ends it with me. I don't want people knowing how 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 much how devastated how devastated I'm gonna be, and because I think that I'll look weak then you know, and eventually she broke up with me then, I then fucking got rid of that obsession with her by just diving into the drinking drugs and just went hell for leather then for a good while you know and uh, that was that that was really uh, like it was like when she rejected me it was a romantic rejection which can be very painful for any man it was like a wound was cut open here you know. And then I poured drinking drugs all over that wound and it was numbing it, but it was prolonging the infection, if you will. It was prolonging that for longer and longer and longer. And I kept dousing it with drinking drugs and doing absolutely no, you know, I, was sure, I, I had no idea, I had no idea how I meant to deal with this. I had no idea. I thought I dealt with the only way that I could and that was through drinking drugs, you know? Yeah. I heard it the other day, I mean, I don't know if you've heard it, if you bottle it, you'll drink it. Yes. Yeah, that's good. It? That's good. I yeah. like that. I like okay. that. I can identify with that as well. That's 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 very good. Um, but yeah, so uh, then the depression really started kicking, really badly. Describe doing, that a bit, like. Oh man, I, like the the darkest darkest thoughts. I remember um, because there was these there was this drug uh, known as bubble. Oh so that, fuck yeah, man. yeah. And that I, I remember I did I, I was doing that one weekend oh. and I was taking fucking acid and all and I was taking all sorts. I remember after that was when the really, real dark, dark depression started to take over me and I really felt like a worthless piece of shit and yeah. I thought, you know, I'm going to have to end this. That and I couldn't, I couldn't handle the pain anymore, you know, the pain was, was really, really intense for me and I, I thought, listen, I'm going to be miserable for the rest of my life um, so I might as well just fucking top myself, you know, and I really, and you know, like, um, I would have had, I remember that poor girl that I went there with, I uh, one day I was really, really depressed in my room. I was drinking cans by myself and I sent her uh, a suicide text, you know? And uh, I swallowed a load of um, um, uh, fucking Panadol trying to top myself. Yeah. I, I, I can't remember how much I took. I took, you know, multiple. Yeah, but, but I anyway, like- yeah, I can't remember the, the, the full numbers now, but um, it was fucking well over in the double digits and anyway. And uh, but I woke up the next day, and I, what I woke up to was my phone being hockeyed out of it, vibrate like you know, be just like boom, 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 boom. And it was just her sending me loads of texts, and she had thought the worst. You know, she was she thought that you know the worst has happened here because I wasn't answering or anything like that. She had to wake up in the morning, had to see that text and ring me and hockey my phone out of it, and that was a really, really um. 
that's something that I, you know, I, I have to make amends. I'm going to have to try and reach out to her. And that's something that hangs over me today. And, you know, I'm making yeah. a list of people that I've harmed that, mm. I'm, that, I, that I need to make amends to. And she's top of the list. Yeah. So anyways. Um, How old are you now, Connor? That was, I was probably 19, 20. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck man, that's serious. Yeah. Was, same, same, same as me, 1920. Yeah. First attempt, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And like, you know, we know how painful it is and it's the only way out. It's, it's just, yeah. When you wrote that text, right? Yeah. Are you, at this point, are you thinking, you know, this is the end? Are you making peace with your life and that it's over? Do you think you're going to die, is what I'm asking you. Uh, yeah. See, now, I was very, I was heavy intoxicated as well at this point. I'd been up for a couple of days. I'd been uh, up for a couple of days taking, taking all sorts and drinking and... So what I, I can't really remember what was going through my mind, but I do remember at one stage just lying there and feeling very kind of calm, which is mad. I was lying down there, and but I think that was maybe me just falling asleep, you know, and I was getting maybe some form of a buzz off to take, after taking all these pantos or something like that, you know. So maybe that was it. I remember, though, a, a feeling of calmness coming into me. When you woke up, were you surprised? I woke up and I didn't know what, what the fuck to think. I didn't know what to think. Did you remember? I, I felt Everything. I felt a bit brained. Oh, I remember it all. It's because she was texting me, so I, I quickly texted her back saying, "If I'm okay," and then she said, "You need to get help." And um, I did. She tell anyone? Huh? Did she tell anyone? I assume she did, you know, and I hope she did because she need she needed the support after after going through that, you know. Is it like I hope that God she didn't have to hang on to that and not tell anyone. Um, at the time I didn't want her to tell anyone. Um. But I really do hope she she got the correct support she needed after that because I'm sure that would have you know having to wake up to something like that can cause you know trauma you know stress PTSD maybe mm, even fucking right and uh, maybe like she could have a thing where every time her phone goes off in the middle of the night she could yeah. you know panic you know so I have to really be conscious of that. Well, same yourself. You must have had trauma from that. Well, yeah, oh, man, yeah, like like my mental health slowly but surely became really really you know. It, really into a dark dark place after that so I thought of it as well yeah do you I connect wanted, when I you're going by talk, talking about that yeah and you just think fuck oh, how horrible it was like yeah you can time. almost get a sensation when, yeah. I was, when i was doing my last podcast and i was talking about it yeah it was like bringing back these fucking feelings yeah how fucking yeah it's horrible yeah yeah especially when you first start to relive it you know because i've gone i've gone, gone back, back there and i've dealt with it for my own my own issues, you know, my own benefits, and uh, so I'm able to kind of relive it now, and, and I'm, I'm okay with, it. I'm accepting of it. You know, it's 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 happened. It's part of my journey in life, and you know, I'll I'll have to move on from it and take experience and maybe carry a message to people that are struggling. So then I can, you know, maybe I have to go through that so that I can help people that are going through something similar. You know, yeah. I I always said if I got through this, I'd I do whatever it it takes to to help someone. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you can hear me on the mic there, but you're listening. Yeah, yeah. Come on, he's, there, he's got, yeah, yeah. He's, he's, off, off. Getting, he's off getting water. Yeah. So he's uh, he's being a good host. But right. anyways, I need to ask you, to, you don't need to go to the toilet, do you? No, no, I'm all good. I'm all good for moments. I might need to go to the toilet. Yeah, yeah, well, I'll just you, keep rambling, I guess. Um, <laughs> Set up for it. Like, yes, keep yeah. her going. Anyway, you're doing fucking well. I'm, lo- I'm actually loving this. Yeah, it's good, I, man. It's good. But well, you just... I didn't actually... I just... I knew a good bit about you, but I didn't know uh, this to this extent. Like. Yeah, and yeah. it's just I, I feel um, 
I feel myself going through my story when I'm listening to it as well. Like, right, we have right. A, we have a fucking very similar story, yeah. aren't we? Like, yeah, yeah. And that's the, the like that's the beauty of like they the, they say one addict helping another. It's all that identification part and knowing that we're not alone. You know, yeah. and that's the most important for a newcomer. A newcomer that comes into recovery, knowing that they're not alone. And you know, we also like like I'll go into that in a bit anyway. About uh, my first beating, but I remember that and just realizing that like these people all think the exact yeah. same as me. So that's the point. The point of this, yeah, is you're not alone. Like there's fucking so many people who are not in meetings, yeah. not getting help, yeah, right? yeah. The kind of pride to not open up or whatever. And this is kind of what it is that you can go on here, yeah, and you can listen to this and say, you know, it's these it's, lads or these fucking girls or whatever, yeah, I've been through and, fucking hell, man. And that's why I'm doing this. I'm not doing this to boost my ego and Same. have people pitying me. I'm doing this to carry a message. To let people know that you know this is and like what you read at the start you know you can get through anything any yeah. pain and myself and yourself and um, have been through a lot of pain in yeah. our lives and we've gotten through it you know and i live a very very happy life today and that's one one thing i want to put out there as well that my life today is beautiful and i have a, a, a an appreciation for life that i never thought i'd have you know, know. so um, we had to go through this country. We, exactly and we have to we have we to. to you know to become stronger but anyways, after that, anyway, my back to the where I was at after that, I was in a really dark place. I remember then, she texted me uh, a couple of days later, just asking how I was, and I was back out drinking again straight after that. You know, I was thinking maybe I should maybe I should put down the drink, but then I was like, nah. I went back out. Then I was like I said, I couldn't sit myself, and um, time went on. I said, listen, I've like I I need to do something with my life, so I did. I decided to you know try and. You know, you know, figure out what I'm. You know, get some form of purpose into my life. You know, maybe. So I think I tried a college degree, that and that kind of worked for me. Where'd you head to? I went to IADT. Oh, same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No way. That's mad. How many years did you do? I ended up. I went on to complete it. I went what did you do? No, but I took uh, business and entrepreneurship. The same one. No, Jack, we're the fucking same bloke. Yeah. How many years did you do that? Uh, so I would have so the thing is I would have done it for a year scraped through the first year I uh, had to repeat exams but I managed to get into the second year then failed the second year miserably and deferred for a year came back put a real conscious effort I'll go into that it's part of the story as well actually because I think it goes to show that I, I was viewing getting when I got I, I thought when I get through this college degree mm. my life is going to be fixed and I'm going to have everything I need uh, but that was not the case whatsoever um, but so I tried I went to this college I, 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 you right. know, like I said run to the jacks. work away you well, keep going well, I'll, I'll keep talking I'll keep talking so uh, it's going to be weird I think I'm talking to myself now but I well, went all I need to do in the first episode yeah, yeah. you know how I fucking feel <laughs> so um then when I was in, co- I went to college for a bit and gave that a gave that a bash and you know I was kind of not very. I tried, I tried at, at times, but I didn't really know how to apply myself. That was my issue. I just didn't know how to apply. I didn't know how to be organized. I was so unorganized. That was a massive issue for my for me as well. Really, really unorganized uh, with everything. So you know, um, I'd be sleeping in late, missing classes, all that stuff. So I got through that year and. Um, I had to repeat a few exams, but I repeated the exams and I got through it. Um, and then, you know, things, you know, things were kind of looking good. I was managing to kind of stay off the real hardcore sessions. Um, you know, but I was still, every now and again, I'd, I'd go on a heavy one, but then I'd go off it for a bit. Then I'd go on a heavy one again. 
and it was a bit of a repetitive cycle. So, um, you know, I really wanted to run away. I wanted to get out of where I was because I kept saying, you know, anytime that I, you know, I, I get these periods of abstinence and then when I got to a stay, then when I had a massive bender, I would blame everything, all my surroundings on that bender. I would blame all the people that, you know, that brought me into, yeah, onto that bender, you know, that, that, that weekend long bender. So I, I always blamed all my surroundings and I never kind of realized that the problem was actually in me. But, um, so I decided I want to get out of this country. Um, I'm going, I'm getting through a lot of shit. A lot of consequences are happening when I drink and drug, a lot of consequences happen. So I decided to um, uh, eventually go to Canada for, and I had a plan. I was going, I went over to a group. How old are you here now? This is, I was 20. 20. This is my later 20s. My, so my run away with the problems. Yeah, yeah, exactly. To run away I from the problems. I would do that to Australia, man. Yeah. At age 20. Yeah, well, this is, and when you, you when first. Imagine me and you were the same age and a fucking maid to that time. Yeah. We'd be sitting here today. We'd be fucking stoned there. Ah, oh, stop, man. Stop. And like, you know, like I'm sure you, you can agree with this, you know, uh, like we, we can run as far as we want, we oh. can't hide, can't hide from the, from, from where the real issue lies, I know. Um, in my mind. But anyway, I went off to Canada and I went up with a group, they were planning going for a summer and I had it in my back of my head, I'm going to stay on here, I'm going to stay because I have a two year visa, I'm going to stay and I'm going to make a name for myself. And my God, man, my head over there was wrecked. I had such low, I hate, I hated who I was really and I remember that was that was a stage when I couldn't even look in the mirror without feeling some form of disgust about who I was I hated everything about me and I thought I was a very you know I was very vulnerable over there really vulnerable I was terrified terrified of people I had a serious fear of people over there I thought everyone didn't like me I was going back to that stuff from the childhood you know I was smoking a lot of grass over there um, and that wasn't good for my head either I was doing a bit of drinking um, but uh, I was trying to stay off the drink because I knew that you know whenever I drink I get into a lot of trouble, and um, so I, I was replacing that with smoking grass. But my head man over there was wrecked, and I just like I said, all those issues that I had as a kid growing up started come trickling back in again. The low self esteem. So, anyways, I came back home, and um, you know, and then I was sick to death of feeling like shit all the time. So I went back. You know, back into my, my, my friend circle that drank and drugged every weekend and stuff like that. So I went back with sessioning all the time and then started getting into selling drugs. Like, you know, and when I say selling drugs, there was no Pablo Escobar or anything like that. I tried to sell. I was selling grass mania and I sold, I sold a bit of coke, which yeah. ended horrendously bad. You know, yeah. when I was selling coke, that was there. But first, I was selling grass and I was able to kind of like tick along. I was. It was, it was giving me a bit of money here and there, and it was getting... Just free grass. Yeah, exactly, free grass. But I was making a bit of cash off it as well. Nothing, nothing mad now, but then I was thinking, you know what, I'm going to start selling coke as well, because I was spending the money that I earned on weed on coke on my nights out then, because I was mad for cocaine. Like, mad for <laughs> And, uh Go easy, there, lads. <laughs> I know, put them in. Yeah, no bother. How much coke are you taking on all day? Ah, well, at that stage, I was probably taking... I'd, I'd be getting a couple of grams. Um, and then that would progress, then I'd be getting eight balls, and then getting and it's all then getting quarters. Yeah, but then I'd be I'd be trying to dish it out. I'd be I'd want people on my buzz. I'd want people to be doing this with me. Um, and you know, if someone didn't want to do it, you know, I'd tell them to do it. So, anyways, um, I I'd, I'd be like, you know, I'd want everyone on my buzz, on my wavelength here. Um, and maybe that stems from something that, like, you know, I I wanted because I, I was felt so disconnected all my life that I want people on my wavelength so that I feel some form of connection 
Um, so anyways, uh, I was, yeah, and like selling, we were selling coke was horrendous, so I was, you know, constantly racking up debts and... Big debt, like... Yeah, like fucking couple, yeah, I think two grand would be the most and then having to get the parents to pay for that and... Yeah, um, fuck. And, yeah, all that crap that comes along with it. Mm. Um, so then, anyways, uh, one, like, I, and then I wanted to get my shit together again. I, I realised after a while of doing this, I was doing this for about a year or two years and I wanted to get my shit together because I was getting into trouble again, more consequences, I was going nowhere in life and uh, I decided then to really have a go of getting through that college because um, I, I, I'd failed my second year. So I was like, I'll go back into the second year again, repeat the second year and I'll get through college. And I fucking, you know, and I had a burning desire to do this. I really wanted to do this. And I went in, I was still a session, but I was keeping some, I was managing it in some way. Still, you know, like maybe um, not, not in the way that most people can manage it, but I was somehow keeping a lid on it, but I was still fucking drinking and drugging. Um, but I managed to get through the college and I constantly had my eye on that degree. And I said, once I get that piece of paper, my life will be complete and I'll have every, and everything in my life will start to become better. Um, and when I got that degree, funny enough, my life began to get fucking shitter. And I started really, because I realized this didn't fix me. This hasn't mm. fixed me. I still feel shit in the inside. I yeah. still feel like a fraud. I still feel like, feel like a phony. I still don't know, you know, I'm still putting on all these masks in front of everyone acting like I'm happy, but I was miserable on the inside. My mental health was fucking, you know, I was very depressed, very anxious. And I started, it was weird, man. I started getting these stages where, um, I'd fucking shout at myself and I, when there was no one around I'd start shouting at myself and I'd be looking I'd, sometimes I'd look in the mirror and shout and negative things towards myself you know it was, my mental health was really starting to go down you know? and uh, so I got a job um, and stuff and, but I was then and, and, and that was it sorry anyways I got myself into a bit of trouble um, and I decided that I wanted to stop everything I fucking hated drinking and drugging and what it caused and the person that it made me be, whenever I drank and drugged, I became a really fucking, just not a nice person. And um, I, I hated the person that I was when I drank and drugged. So I said, you know what, I want, I want to cut this stuff out. So I went to my first ever, actually, sorry, my second ever NA meeting. I kind of went, my first ever NA meeting was when I was with that girl, actually, that I spoke about in a relationship. And her and my mum sent me to an NA meeting to get my shit together, you know. And I didn't want to go, but I went anyway. But when I went, I heard, I, I, I heard such a message uh, when I heard when I say such a message, I meant I heard such identification from the girl doing the chair, and I identified with everything she had to say, and I couldn't believe like what I was hearing because it was just like she was speaking my my life. Um, but I was about nineteen twenty at that stage, nineteen I think. Too right. I, I, I left and I said, you know what? They're all much older than me. They're all in their thirties. Yeah. I can have a bit more fun, and I'll come back. Save my uh, time and you. Yeah, exactly. So I went there for about five years. Came back. Then to my second meeting, so when I was really fed up. So I think I came to my second meeting when I was twenty-four, and I remember being terrified in the room. And I was I was only sharing this at a meeting yesterday actually that I was that there was all these men around me and they were all fucking you know they they were they look they were rough enough looking men you know. Where was um, it? It was in the Bray NA meeting, mm. um, and it was funny because that was usually quite a really quiet meeting. For for this one somehow there was just a lot of these big lads here, and like you know these lads are, are were were seasoned. Um, fucking you know drug abusers and whatnot, and I was terrified I felt like such a little boy in front of all these people I was shaking I was shaking so much and I shared and at the end of the meeting they all gave me a hug you know and I was like whoa that's, this is, that, that's pretty damn cool man you know yeah. I, felt, I felt like I was accepted you know and I really liked that and uh, 
But, you know, um, I stuck at those meetings for about two months. And, uh, can I ask you a good question? Sorry. Yeah, of course you can. Through those periods of the mental health, yeah. you're struggling deeply. Yeah. Did you tell anyone? No, absolutely not. No. Not a soul. Kept it to myself. There was one friend. There was one friend I would talk to about uh, Mo, as we both know. Um, I would talk to him and he'd always be there. Uh, there was one time actually I was sitting on his bed in his room. And I, it was beautiful. The other day I got to thank him. For, for, for being there for me and uh, you know I sat in his bed and I told, I'd sent him a text the day before that I was getting suicidal thoughts um, and he told me to come down to his house and I sat on the end of his bed you know, and I started bawling crying and I really started I was struggling so much you know and I was crying and he gave me a hug and he made me some food and uh, I just felt I felt I remember feeling quite good after that I felt a bit of relief yeah. you know I finally I got to relieve you know and it, it, there was something about that just opening up and being honest and letting the emotion out and uh, there was the, and that was good, but at the same time, I still didn't like people knowing what was going on in the inside. Cause no therapy. No therapy. Oh, I tried therapy one day. Did you ever go on medication? Uh, I went on Lexapro for my anxiety. I'm on that still, yeah. Yeah, and to, and to be honest with you, man, I think that's grand. That's good. Yeah. You know, um, and sometimes I think because I, at the moment, I'm good, but I can get moments of anxiety, and when I get those moments of anxiety, I think you know, you know, it. You can it, save it. I might get go. You I might period. go back on the Lexapro. Uh, and I what was your dose? Ten. It was the there was actually yeah ten, ten ten yeah yeah I'm on five now there is there is five ten and twenty, 20. is it yeah That's yeah all. um so uh and it worked you know the next pro did work in fairness but when, the team was when it started to work and uh, then I was like okay you know what I'm going to uh this is working now so I stopped taking it you yeah. know I was like I'm grand fixed now and then I go back out to my old ways again and so anyways when I how you what you asked me there about how did I ever talk about it to people and no I didn't and there was I, like I had one friend Mo who I'd, I'd openly talk to about and you know and anytime I did talk to him it did help you know and I think he got me through that stuff you know um in in, in the early days so uh and anyways the as as time went on um the more and more struggles I, sorry that was it I was in NA and I got two months sober two months clean and sober and uh, you know I was just fucking I wasn't I was turning up to meetings and I'd be I didn't know what was going on to be honest with you I didn't know how this worked I thought I was meant to just come in here and talk about how my day was and then I'd leave and I'd get some sort of form of relief and that did work for two months you know and and I could open up about some stuff and it worked for two months but then I went back out and I'd be in and out and I was in and out for months and I got sick of um, um, of, of you know turning up to meetings and just yeah. talking about my, my day and stuff and, yeah. and all that stuff. Dumping ground. Dumping ground, exactly. Yeah. And that and it just didn't work for me. And uh, my, then, uh, my last three months of drinking and drugging was horrendous. I just went, you know, I gave up on meetings completely, gave up on help completely, and I put on the mask, you know, of this person who didn't give a fuck. And you know what? I didn't really give a fuck. I wanted to be back out there. And I was happy enough to keep doing this now until my day, my day has come. And... Yeah. Uh, I just went full throttle of uh, drinking and using drugs and it, it, it brought me to a really bad place then um, and uh, it brought me into, you know, my dad finding me on my bedroom floor, fucking out of my head and then I picked yeah. it, got up and fucking threw him against the wall and fucking, I was just, I, I was psycho and I, I went into a psychotic episode. 
Yeah. And uh, yeah, and you know, I, one thing that I'm very, you know, fortunate about is I was able to come back from that, you know. Yeah. In, in, in treat, Same. In treatment. I'd like drug-induced psychosis. Yes. Is exactly. that what you had? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And there's a pe- and there's some people that go into that and don't never, never come back. Don't never come back. No. Yeah. You know? And uh, people in my family that's happened to. Um. But uh, so I'm very fortunate that I got out of that. But that was a turning point. That was the last time um I have taken drank or taken a drug, which was over eighteen months ago, and. Sorry, thank you very much. Thank you. Well done. <laughs> we love to hear it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so I went into... What's your sobriety date? It is January 12th. Hmm. January 12th. So I went, I, I got onto the road. Dry January? Yeah. Is that what kicks you off? I did, uh, well, I was, well, I did a half a dry January, <laughs> if that counts. Yeah. Um, because of the 12th. But, uh, and the, the first 12th So that's days, drinking drugs. Drinking drugs. You never had a problem with gambling. Gambling was never my thing. No, I made a few bets here and there, but never got into it. Never got into it. Um, but codependency issues massive yeah. for me, massive, yeah. and and that's something I only found out in the last you know six months about just really how much I struggle when it comes to relationships and yeah. um, and and I have work to do on that which I'm still doing. Yeah. And I'm sure I will. You know, eventually be able to handle them. Um, but it it's just because I can you know use if I can use that girl as an obsession. And it can take me away from from myself, so exactly. I'll use her, yeah. you know. Um, and then if she's not around, then I'm back to feeling disconnected again. So I need I need her to fix me, you know. And then I'm, I'm it's like I'm it's like I'm worshiping her in a way, you know, the same way I would have worshipped the drugs to cure my problems now. Yeah, yeah. Um. Anyways, tell us a bit about the Rutland. The Rutland was interesting. Uh, so I, how how long? So. J- January 12th. Yeah, yeah. When did you go into the Rutland? I went into the Rutland, I think it was about two weeks after. Two weeks? Two weeks after, yeah. When did you mad, have to go? I was, mad, I was mad as a fucker for those two weeks. I remember I was saying, I'm going to go in there, but if they think I'm going to any meetings, I, I was so reluctant to go to meetings because I, I actually picked up a resentment towards meetings because for they didn't yeah, fix me yeah, in those first yeah, yeah. In that year. They didn't fix me and I was viewing them negatively. And I said, no, I'm not going to be going to meetings. I'm going to go in here. And uh, I'm gonna do my own thing. I'm gonna do it my own way. But then, you know, that was just my mad head. But at the same time, I was willing to do anything. I didn't want to drink a drug. But then, but there's funny. Then my first day, we went into a meeting there. And after the chair, the person had done the chair. I shared straight away, you know. Yeah. And I, when I was going into the meeting, I was saying, I'm not gonna share in this meeting. I'm not gonna listen, you know. And that was my disease of addiction talking to me, trying to not get me into onto the path of recovery, you know. And um, so I went in anyway, and you know, ever since then, I really started putting the effort into getting well. And I started hearing a message. That was the main thing when I was in the Brooklyn, because you have to go to meetings when you're in the Brooklyn. There's meetings on every day, as, as you know. And I started to hear a message and I started to sink in. And I really got a, 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 a I started to really identify with uh, AA. And like, listen, I, I still pop into NA meetings, and I know a lot of people that get well through NA. Now, AA will be my Alcoholics Anonymous, will be my path of choice. And I know people that do CA more, Cocaine Anonymous, and I pop into that as well, and I pop into all of them. My, the, but the one that I really liked and that would work for me was uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, which is the origins, you know, of, uh, of um, the 12-step program and stuff like that. So uh, anyways, I started to hear a message and I started to stick when I got out of the Rutland. Actually, I'll talk about my time in the Rutland. So. Mm. Um, so anyways, I started to... <coughs> really do a lot of work on myself as you know you have to do exercises in uh, in the road and so you have to do your introduction yeah. and then i read it out to my group so where you, you you put you're put into a group therapy um, and you're, you're put into a group 
and this is your group that you'll be doing group therapy with for your, the entire time that you're in the Rutland. But as the weeks go on, people will leave, obviously, because the time is, is coming up at the end of the Rutland, and new people will come in. So, you know, new people come in, old people leave, but, you know, you, you, you get to know everybody, and uh, you get to kind of open yourself up to everyone, and you get to hear people open them, themselves to you as well, and you get to give feedback to each other, and it's great. Group therapy was brilliant, you know, really, really, really powerful thing, um, and really eye-opening thing for me as well. What about so, mindfulness movement? The mindfulness, I was mad. The, the dancing, Mac. Yeah. Oh, the now are you talking about the? Is that what it's called? Dance, dance class that was on a Friday night, was it? It's mindfulness movement. You know that one where? You... Yeah, 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 yeah. It's funny, man. Mindfulness, which I fucking, I'm, I'm, I'm really getting into now. Uh, when I was in there, it wasn't really. I did, I did it. You know, I did it because I was told to do it. Um, but I was really focused on more. You know diving into myself and finding out stuff about me that I never knew before so with the exercises that you have to do in your time in the five week stage that you're in the rutting so you're in the rutting for five weeks and you give three, you're given three exercises to do over the course of three weeks the first exercise you do is your introduction where you talk about how you're, the first time you picked up um, a drink or a drug or whatever it is yeah. your addiction was your, you know a bet or whatever um, uh, for me obviously it was drinking drugs and then you talk about the progression, about how it started off and then how it progressed over time uh, to where you ended up needing to go into the rooting center. Um, and then the next exercise is your life story and that's between the age of zero to 20, I think it is. Yeah. And uh, if that's, yeah, yeah, zero to 20. So you talk about your life growing up and stuff like that. Into then you have three things at the end, don't you? Then you have then at um, the end is your- is, 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 Resentments. Your resentments, yes. It's, so it's, your, your, it's known as the first step that's what they know. That's what they base. I don't know why it's called the first step when it has, you know, oh, resentments yeah, yeah, and stuff yeah, yeah. like that. But anyway, yeah, you talk about your resentments, you talk about and all that stuff. You get to the end. It's so important because I, I never really felt like I had much of a voice. And when I came into the group therapy sessions, I found I found my voice and I found I learned how to express myself. Like I said, I couldn't ever talk to people about how what was going on on the inside. Yeah. But now I'm in this group therapy session with all these people and I'm talking about the most personal stuff about what was going you on on the inside. And I can't stop and I'm getting so much from it. I remember after my life story, I actually cried and, I, and yeah. it was beautiful, man. It was a really beautiful thing and everyone hugged me after the end and I felt so, I felt really good in myself, you know, for the first time. And uh, that was that was amazing. That was a really, really big moment in my life. Um, and so like, my time in the run was, was great. I, like, and I had panic attacks in the run. My anxiety was oh, there. Fuck. It was coming in and out, yeah. um, particularly before my, I'd read my life story out, I was getting really bad panic attacks, and I, I think I was just scared of letting people, you know, and you know, it was probably subconscious, because I, I, I knew I'm about to be revealing myself to all these people, as fuck. I'm vulnerable, I'm scared, you know, and I'm yeah. really anxious. Um, and I remember um, my mental health was destroyed when I was in there. Mm. I um, was fully suicidal, like, yeah. I had to, you know that little room where all the Counselors are yeah yeah yeah. I had literally I had to come down all the time with like belts and ropes. They used to raid my room. I was on because it was full blown suicidal. Right. Purely because everything's coming up. Yeah. And I'm raw as fuck, and I'm connecting with my life for once. Yeah. And I couldn't cope. Yeah. Yeah. And it was mad. Tell us about your CP day because that was big for me. Yeah, that was ad. So how how many did you do? Three. Day I had two. So and it was you bring in? my dad, 
Yeah. Which was which which was one that I was really dreading because of, you know, these what the state he'd seen me in the two weeks prior mm. to me going into the Rutland. And then my mum and it's it's actually a funny one, man, because the C P I was dreading my dad, I was terrible, like, you know, because of you know, the state he saw me he saw me in. and then I all the stuff that he had to see me go through all my life as well and you know, I always felt like such a disappointment and stuff. So um he came in and uh, he spoke so highly of me, you know, which I couldn't believe. And I was a bit emotional and it was really nice. And I remember people coming up after me after uh, one guy actually came up and said, you know, I wish my dad was like your dad. Yeah. You know, that was a, that was a really, really powerful thing. Um, and then my mum, and I remember telling everyone, like, oh, my mum's going to be grand. She's, she's not going to say much. She, I'm a mummy's boy on all this stuff. And she came in and she ripped me a new arsehole in front of yeah. everyone, man. My mum wrote, what was it? It could have been 60 pages before she went in. She right. brought them in. Right, right, yeah. Fuck I was it. Like, I've, like, I've, I've never broke down so much, man. Yes, yeah. Just, but you know, there's crying, but there's also that, like, deep mm-hmm. crying. Do you know that? Oh, like, yeah, man. Fucking, you like, you're breaking need, down slowly. Like, exactly, yeah. Oh. You don't even need tears. It's just fucking, it's in there. and oh, it's, it's It's like making noises. like Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's yeah, it's, yeah. So the CP, but I understand the reason the the importance of CP. Yeah, hundred. Because CP was and like it's it, it's probably the thing I dreaded the most when I was in there, especially yeah. the first CP session that I saw. It was on like my second day and it was yeah. horrific. I was like, oh my god, this is because it was like there was this there was this girl that was in the you know in the treatment center and her husband was just laying into her in front of everybody, and um, you know the counselors were there like you know pretty much, you know, egging him on to lay into her. And I was like, what the hell is this? What have I signed up to here? You know, I was terrified. Uh, but now my CP sessions were eye-opening, like it was really nice with my dad and my mum got to get off a lot of shit that, you know, and you know, she said something that really hit home with me, you know, really made me realise just how much, I'm, how much I fucking put, you know, how much stress I put them under, how much I just didn't really give a fuck. And my mum was like, you know, you treat your drug dealers better than you treat me. And I was like, whoa! Like I, I, I honestly thought she was gonna come in and, and say my praise and sing, you know, sing my praise in front of everybody. But um, yeah, she she got a lot off, and I learned a lot about just how much of a bollocks I was and how selfish I was as well. So um, that was my time in the rolling. So much I learned in, in the space of five weeks. And then they tell you when you get out, to tell you what to do. Keep going to your meetings. Yeah. Were you, were you? How did you feel before you left? Like, were you shitting it going out? Yeah. I was so... I was vomiting mm-hmm. a couple of days, like a week before I left. Yeah. Because I was shitting it. You're in that bubble there. Yeah. And you're safe. Yeah. And you say it's like a snake waiting in the grass soon to bite you as soon as you walk out those gates. Yeah. Oh, man, it's, I was so fucking scared. I was terrified, man. And my first year when I got out, I was terrified to go anywhere. Yeah. I was so black and white about what I could, where I could go, where yeah. I couldn't go, who I could hang out with, who I couldn't. It wasn't was, really life like. No way was that life. That wasn't living no. for me, man. When I got out, I was working meetings. I was working meetings, working meetings, working meetings, and I wasn't really hanging out with anyone. I was ter- like, if, if people asked me to go hang out with them somewhere, um, we were I wouldn't want to wanna go. I, I just wanted to be on my own, and I, the only place I ever wanted to be was in a meeting. I felt safe in meetings, you know, um, and uh, you know, I had to go to work, obviously, and um, or at home, you know, at home, um. And I was just, I, I couldn't do anything. Uh, and that first year when I got out was really difficult for me. Really, really difficult. And when I was six months in, um, I was just like, this is this life, is this life for me forever? This, and 
Um, you know, my anxiety was starting to come back again. I was, I was, I was just miserable, man. And I heard a guy sharing at a meeting before, and, he, and I just was glued to everything he was saying. I was like, what the, like, this chap is making serious sense. And he was yeah. talking, what he was speaking about, he was talking about freedom. And he was talking about being free at heart and not needing to, to yeah, he wouldn't mind another glass of water. You're a good man. I'm surprised you haven't done any Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you happen and I love it. Thank you. Thank it's you. coming off. Thank you very much. It's like you need this. Yeah, well, this one, I, I get it. You know what I love about this, man? People, it's good for your sobriety. Yeah, it, it is. is. Yeah. It really is. It is, man. It is. Um, But he, so I heard this guy sharing at a meeting and he was speaking about, you know, being free at heart and not needing to run off to places or, you know, being like, you know, at peace always within yourself. I went up to him after and he was talking about the steps, talking about going through the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, and I was like, That's not a sponsor, is it? Huh? That's not a sponsor, was it? So I, I went up to him and I asked him to take me, I was like, I, want, like, I need you to take me through the steps. Uh, like everything you're saying right now is just is incredible. You know, like you're, my head, I, I, want I, I, I was able to tell him that my head was not in a good place. I wanted to. I wanted what he had, the the piece he had seemed to have. So I went, I went up to him, got his number, and then he, we we met up for coffees and you know he you had no water, you're going for now smoke. You're right, toilet or what? I'm all good. I'm all Keep good. Coming, yeah. So um, hello, what are we in there? You must be getting close. Getting to to today. Getting close. What to? To finish it up, right? Finish it up here. I'm trying to time span. You got a sponsor. What six months ago? No, when I was six months in. When I was six months into recovery. Man, I can't believe you're 18 months. Yeah, yeah, man. It's good. It's, um, um, it, it flies in, man. It really does fly in. It does. Yeah. I actually, I have that app, the I Am Sober app. Right. And I was, remember, it fucking counting down. You have to pledge every day. Mm-hmm. But I don't anymore. Mm. It's literally one day at a time. Like, yeah. Every day. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I'm sober for today. That's all that fucking matters. That's all that matters, man. And like, yeah, as time goes on, I realise just how important it is just to be present in today and not think about the future or the past. You know? Fucking my brother. Yeah. That doesn't register on page. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, anyways, so I got, got myself a sponsor and he started meeting up for coffees and he started to kind of take me through the steps, 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. And uh, he got me introduced to a higher power as well. Uh, which was massive. Actually, well, no, sorry. The first time I actually had a bit of an idea of a higher power uh, because when I was in the Rutland, when the counselors told me to go upstairs and, and, and pray and just to see if anything happens, and I went up and I prayed and I felt something. I just felt like everything was going to be okay. I didn't know what it was, but I just felt the presence over me and it was amazing. It was beautiful. Um, but then I'm going to met up with himself. Now, he's a very Christian, really, really Christian guy. And he started like saying, Do you want to start? Like, you know, I go to Mass every Sunday. So I was like, Oh, I'll check that out. So you I started, started going to Mass. Every and Friday. what I liked. So I started then thinking, you know, okay, this is the way. Yeah, I'm, I'm into this. This is this is uh, my version of higher power. So I, I started, because I, I would have grown up, um, you know, with a, with a Catholic family, you know, particularly my grandparents, very, very, very religious people. So then I was like, Right, I'll go back to my roots. And I started going to Mass, and what I, I, what I liked about going to Mass was I listened to the readings that the priest would say, and he talked about being a humble person, and being a good, per- a good person to everyone around you, and to all different cultures, and to accept everybody. And I really enjoyed listening to the readings, and it was all about humility, which I love. I love being, when I'm, when I'm humble, you know, it's very difficult to feel angry, or jealous, or bitter, when you're humble. So I always try to remain as humble as I can at all times. 
and so when I went to mass and I heard the pre- priest would speak I get a lot now as time went on I started to kind of realise that maybe this isn't my even though I like the readings I like how what's said I started to develop a new higher power um, and that's nature and for me nature is, is really a power you know that's greater than myself when I go out when I'm feeling anxious or depressed or anything like that I go out into nature and you know very very quickly I something in me just like lights up and I just get surrounded with peace and serenity and love and love for myself and compassion. Talk about that a bit though, like when you say going out with nature. Yeah. Tell us a bit of what you're actually doing. Yeah. You're walking through a wood. Yeah, well for me I started walking through see, a plant. Tell me what are you doing? Yeah, good question. So what Speaking happened? Good, try that. Yeah. So I'll tell you how it started anyway. What happened was I was miserable after a, a year of doing nothing in my life of just going to meetings and work. So I decided I want to start doing something new. So I decided to start, I wanted to do a triathlon. I was like, I'm going to do a triathlon. I'm going to just get, get this goal and do it. And then the world changed. As we all know, COVID-19 came in and the lockdown happened. So I invested in a bike just before lockdown and I started running and I started cycling up around where I live in the mountains and seeing all this beautiful scenery. And I just was so connected and I felt so amazed. I felt just so at peace all the time. And um, doing all these things and running, running outdoors because I was going, I would go to the gym before my all my exercise was done indoor in the gym, you know. And although endorphins are being released and that makes you feel good, there was nothing compared to being out in the in the great outdoors and just experiencing everything around me and just being so present in that peace. So I started getting into that, and that was um, that was massive for me. So I still do that. Cause listen, I still can getting, I can still get sad. Yeah. I can still get anxious. Because I'm human, I'm a human being, you know. I've got emotions, and uh, but when I when these, I know what I like to do when I go into these places. Uh, so I like to get outdoors. And another thing I've started doing as well is I go outdoors and I put on a, my my headphones and I do a guided meditation out in the in, in in the open, you know. And I close my eyes and like I make sure I'm in good scenery now. I don't do it in, like in the middle of a city. I go, you know, like I said, to the great quiet. outdoors, you know, quiet place, peaceful. Um, lots of serenity and uh, I listen to a 20 minute guided meditation and I just sit there and when I open my eyes after I just look around and I'm just like in awe of everything around me you know because I've just been because with the 20 minute guided meditation I've gone inside myself you know I've seen what's going on with me today I'm seeing how I am with myself I'm seeing the love for myself I'm giving myself you know love in places that don't feel loved and then when I open my eyes and I see everything around me, I'm just like, you know, I'm blown away, man. You know, it's so powerful. And that's my higher power today. Yeah, and I still pray to, like, when I, in the mornings, I like to pray. And I just have to, to, and when I pray, what I do is I just say, there's something out there. There's some sort of a power out there. Um, and, you know, I know that that power is looking after me today. Yeah. And that gives me a bit of peace. And then at the end of the day, when I'm going to bed at night, I'll do another prayer and I'll just pray giving thanks for the day that I had. Keep it really simple, as simple as possible. Um, and uh, I start off my day with a prayer and uh, I actually do yoga now and uh, meditation. And that's really, that's been, a, that's been a massive changing point for me. The yoga meditation in the morning. I do half an hour of yoga meditation in the morning. That sets me up for the day and I do my prayers. And I keep it as simple as I can today, man. I keep it as simple as I can. I don't try to overcomplicate things. I don't try to be perfect in recovery. I don't try to, you know, be the master and you know and and, and, I don't, and I'm also not very hard on myself as well I don't lash myself out if I make a mistake you know I understand that if I make a mistake 
what I do is I learn from that mistake, you know? The worst thing I could do is lash myself out of it. And then the, probably the second worst thing I could do is not learn from it either, you know, and continue to make those mistakes. So I have to realize, like I said, I'm a human being. And, you know, and also as I've gone on recovery in the last 18 months, anytime I've gone through a struggle, I've come out the other end stronger. Mm. I've gone through some big struggles in recovery, you know, in emotional struggles, internal struggles. And um, every single time I've gotten through that struggle, I look back and I see, first of all, the reason why I went through that struggle, why I had to go through that struggle. I see um, how it benefited me, what I learned from it, that struggle, you know, and then I see the reason, uh, and, then I, and then I have a message from that struggle to pass on to somebody that, that, that you know, that is currently struggling, you know? And that's what my day consists of. I like to help people that are struggling. I really get a lot from that because I know what it's like to struggle and it's not a nice place to be. And when I see, I've got a lot of, I feel a lot of empathy these days, you know, for people that struggle in any way, particularly people that have addiction issues because I know exactly what they're going through. But even if someone isn't, you know, if, if someone's not, you know, um, an addict in recovery or anything like that and they're struggling, I still like to try and help in any way I can. I've done, you know, I've done, you know, volunteer work for, for, for homeless um, in the past, which was, which was really, really, really nice thing to do, really good thing to do. I have plans to do volunteer work now for, for actually, um, um, it's a, called um, marine conservation. So it's about yeah. going into the ocean. I've had a look at that. It looks it's deadly. Man, it looks amazing. Why are you doing you that? Go scuba. Uh, in this country, it's in the East Africa. Um, I've seen that as well. Is, you have seen it. Class. Look at man, the, the scene. It's say, is it Seychelles? Say yes, Seychelles. Yeah. Yes, yes. Looks lit. Man, it looks amazing. We may do it together, man. Man, I'm telling you, I'm saving up for it currently. Yeah, it's That's a bit, that was what well, hold me off. It was a bit three and a half, Three and a half grand to do it. it. Now, that covers your accommodation. It covers your food. Um, but like, to be honest with you, man, money doesn't really, um, to me, I'm not so concerned about money. I'm not, you know, I don't, um, you know, if, if there's money there, happy days. You know, obviously I need money to fucking, you know, to, for so food right. and, you know, to live and stuff like that. But, you know, I'm not, I'm not obsessed about holding on to money and because that can become an obsession as well. Mm. So I like to use money for, so I, I, Experience I, I, I happily, exactly. And then I, you know, I'm still young. I mean, I'm 26 and I want to go traveling. So after I've done that, I plan to, you know, go to Australia and see the world, man, you know, and, you know, I thought that when I got into recovery, I, I, that was off the card. I thought going traveling was off the cards because, like, you know, like, why would you go traveling if you can't drink? That's yeah, my, my reception. fucking right. But man, <laughs> I cannot wait to go out and see the world, man. I can't wait to go out and experience other cultures and take from life, you know, what life's meant to be taken, well, what's meant to be taken from life, you know, the experiences. So I don't want to be, when I'm, I don't want when I'm 80 years of age, if I make it to 80, to look back at my life and say, I did nothing. I just worked. I stayed in Ireland, um, even though I love Ireland, don't get me wrong, but I just worked. I didn't really go out and see the world. I didn't do, you know, what where, like, what kind of a message is that to carry? Yeah. You know, if someone just kind of locked themselves away for all their lives and did nothing. So I want to go out and enjoy life because, man, when I go out to the outdoors, like I said, I get such a, such a buzz and such, you know, peace inside me that I can't even put into words. So when I go out and I get to experience all these other other aspects of the world, you know, that are there to be seen, that are there to be experienced and conquered, you know, that's what I want to do in my life. Yeah. So I can look back and genuinely say, I had a good life. You know, I went through my struggles and I learned from them and I adapted and I turned that, I turned a negative into a positive so that I could go on and have an amazing, amazing life and experience all these other cultures, you know. 
And so that's what I like to do. That's what I want to do. And my recovery, like I said, changes. You know, my reco- my perception on recovery was completely different six months ago. Um, and so, you know, things do change and I develop as I go on. And I'm constantly growing and constantly learning. And that's what this is all about, you know. Um, and like, like, like you said at the very start of this, for people that are struggling, you can get through it. It's about opening up and being honest. Because I guess for the first year of my recovery when I struggled, for the first year of, of, of being absent from drinking drugs, I struggled because I wasn't getting honest what was going on on the inside. I was acting like everything was okay. I, you know, people would come to me after me and say, geez, it's great listening to you. You're great to listen to. Um, but on the inside, I felt like a piece of shit still. I felt like a fraud, but I didn't want people knowing that about me because I didn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to look weak, first of all. So you know, the big changing point for me was obviously getting a sponsor and going through the steps, but you know, that stuff means nothing if you're not being honest about what's going on on the inside, you know? I can make all the amends in the world I can do a thorough fourth and fifth step, which is a fearless moral inventory for those who don't know it. Um, and Or I can do it all. I can do all the work that's suggested, but if I'm not being honest about who I am or what's going on on the inside, it means nothing, you know, and I'm not going to grow. So it's about getting honest. This program and this way of life is about being honest and um, and then also going through the process of, of getting a higher power, you know, going back, cleaning house, going back uh, to make amends, and um, I'm working on myself constantly. It's day, it's daily uh, work on myself always. And uh, but I love it. I love doing the work. I love the the the, the peace and serenity that I get from doing the work. You know, and it's my biggest passion. Is is this way of life? You know. So, I think we're coming up to the end. Anyway, how long have we been going for? An hour and sixteen. An hour and sixteen minutes of pure fucking honesty. Yeah. <laughs> oh, unbelievable. The main thing for me was listening to that was it's very hard to picture you back then. Right. You know, the shit you were going through. Yeah. I remember at a meeting and I sh- opened a share after a couple of months and someone said, I can't picture you doing that. Mm. You know, hurting people and mm. fucking being a mad cunt. Mm. You know, mm. it's fucking mad. Yeah. But you've come fucking a long way, Connor. <laughs> and there's so, like, I have a great life, but. Connor's given me a, a fucking lot of hope. Mm. You know, there's a lot. There's a lot where I, I look up to you because there's a lot in your life that I'd love to have. There's something you have that I want. Mm. You know, and it actually keeps me going. Yeah. I remember at six months right, yeah. I came to you and you did that chair. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. And I you told indeed. me about doing the steps. Yeah. And you, you pushed me in the right direction, but it was purely because I heard Connor share like here I wanted what he has and that's what I want people to get from this podcast is there is hope and I hope you want the life that we're living Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. not fucking material and doing this and that but it's the fucking peace and freedom in our brains finally yes exactly from going through fucking hell yeah and we're finally (laughs) in our life saying you know what I'm 24 how old are you 26. We're babies. Yes. We have our whole fucking life out of us. Mm. We are lucky as shit to be able to, you know, like, to even to be able to wake up and feel fresh and peace of mind. But as you're saying, we have the whole other side of life to live yeah. and experience whatever the fuck. We can do whatever we want mm-hmm. because we're all right. Exactly, man. Do you know and, what I mean? When you, when, you, when you have, you know, um, a, a grip on recovery, when you have a, a, the, the program, you know, inside inside of you you can go out and do whatever you want you know there's nothing holding you back it's unbelievable yeah yeah 
We're yeah. sitting here and we're grateful as fuck. We were talking about it before, man. You know, we are miracles at the end of the day. Yeah. You know, and we yeah. go back and talk about, you know, we should realistically be dead. Like, yeah. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. But that is what kind of keeps us going. Yeah. Knowing that we have this one life and not taking it for granted. Exactly. Yeah. Fuck me. Yeah. It's fucking powerful stuff. Yeah. I am so glad I got you on this. Yeah, I'm so no, glad. Right. Like I said, I've never done anything like this before, but I've got, I've got something from it. You can only get into it though, don't you? And yeah, you just... yeah, it's, it's cool. Because like, obviously, when I do a chair at a meet, the chair is 15 minutes. No. And this is what? Oh, like, it's like an hour and 20 minutes. It's like, what? Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. In, it's in depth. Yeah, it's in depth stuff, man. And uh, stuff, but like, you know, I'm just, I'm just glad that I can be able to sit here and, and, and share honesty. And people are gonna love it, man. Mm. I fucking I can't wait for people to hear this. Yeah, because I know, I, I know if it helps one person, um, that's all it is, you know, man. Yeah, yeah, I don't care about who's fucking I have it on Instagram, I don't care who's following me, I don't care. Yeah, but I know people are listening to it. Yeah, yeah, and that's all it matters, but exactly, exactly. And we keep it going, and it's, it's still early days, and I'm not gonna give up on it. Yeah. Because I know it works. Yeah. That's why I put my number out there. I was saying to you. Yeah. I know when you fucking pick up the phone and you tell someone what's going on, it works. Oh, man. It does indeed. I know when you yeah. listen to this and you listen to your chairs, it works. Yeah. You feel better. Yeah. And that's why we do this. Yeah. Nothing else. Mm-hmm. You know, we have massive egos. No, we don't. Yeah. <laughs> like it's said, nothing for us. We got to remain humble, man. Being humble is the key to freedom, in my opinion. Being humble is the key to peace. When you're, when you're a humble person and, you're, and you know, you've got true humility going on you know it's like i said it's very difficult to feel negative when you're when you're when you're, when you're humble yeah. it really really is so key i'm proud of you connor thanks bud and i'm, I'm happy really for you that. and i'm happy that you're in my life yeah you too, you're man. a good dude yeah yeah i think we're gonna be good friends I, big time man big time i think and i think one thing as well jim you're gonna have a great life you know i've yeah. got a lot of a lot of hope in you man yeah. i know that you're gonna do well like the stuff you're doing with this podcast and you know and and like everything that you've got a great personality you know so make the most of that man saying, make the you? most yeah I'm saying, I'm quite funny you're good that. You're funny. <laughs> yeah man there's a lot of people that would kill to, to be able to be like you i'll tell you that oh uh, you're a blessing all right all right um nothing else nothing else no we've fucking else. blabbed on i think mine was about this time as well okay that's good but that's good. uh fuck I can't wait to listen to this back as well. Yeah. <laughs> Some yeah. cracks and a bit of interruptions and things. But the dogs. Connor, yeah. man, thanks for coming no on. Matter, man. No I appreciate it. it. Shake your hand, but whatever's going on, yeah. we'll, touch, we'll touch elbows. Well, after this, we're definitely going to hug, so. Yeah, right, no, I won't yeah. tell anyone about that. Yeah. Um, what are we now? I'd, I'd say fucking later down the line. We'll probably have him back on. He's fucking a year from now. He'll have some new shit for us. Yeah. <laughs> after I've after I've been around the world, then I'll, I'll, I'll let everyone know about the experience. You know. All right. Give him some love. Yeah. 18 months. Yeah. Thank you. Cheers, lads. Thanks for listening.